Hello. Hello. Hello, Joey McGarry, Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. Hello, Todd McInerney, Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada, Dallas area. <laughs> I was just watching that Henry Paul John section again. <laughs> <laughs> so good. The night where we just kept playing that one part over and over and over again. Yeah, so good. I, uh, I'm getting that shadow video, so hopefully we can watch it this weekend and hopefully do a podcast about it paul john has a section paul john made it didn't dustin werbeski apparently has the highlight paul john made it paul john made it oh and i read lots of things exciting uh a lot of people said they didn't like it which means you and i'll probably like it cool yeah i like to hear that a lot of people didn't like it leon said it was good so that's uh, you know that counts for a lot of people were like uh, there's lots of instrumental know. music. It was slow, and I was like, "That sounds good." That sounds really good. <laughs> Speaking of which, I shall add Leon right now. Hello. Oh wait, we're waiting. Are you still there, Todd? I'm here. Okay, good. We are now calling Leon. Leon Basin. Leon Basin. Um. And is there anything you want to add before Leon comes on here? And then the day after the contest, I was skating on my... Before the contest, I was skating on those. (laughs) Follows. Anyway, just whatever. Skating good, but not really myself. This is the perfect start. And then the day after Winter Clash, I was uh, skating on my Power Blade frames, on my Sebas, because everyone was... It was a pretty empty skate park, and uh, I just wanted to have fun because the days before the contest, it was so packed that uh, I knew that I'm not gonna have fun skating on my big wheels because it's just too busy. <laughs> oh, by the way, hey Joey and Todd. <laughs> hey, hey Leon, what's up? Sorry, I was so much so into the story that I didn't want to stop because you guys called. It sounded like a good story. We got the tail end of it. Yeah, anyway, so the, let me just finish it. <laughs> Is it okay? Yeah, of course. So anyway, I just enjoyed the next day. I skated in those skates, and then I was so much better. And I just felt a lot better about my skating. So when people saw it, I guess it come like it's very... You feel like you stood out a little more. Yeah, and like you can feel the, the energy from the other people that they can see that you're like, whoa. Like, I'm not used to this type of skating, but he's really good. So it was like a really, really good feeling. Yeah, I get it. Anyway. It was, it's a way to distinguish yourself. Yeah. Amongst the crowd. I guess now it's really easy because no one does it. All right. Have you guys guessed the secret guest yet? No. That voice sounds so familiar. Yeah, Wait, it does. keep talking. Say something else. Hmm. Say, say a hint related to, to your name. Hmm. Hmm. Well, let me give you a hint. I think uh, he was supposed to be on the podcast before, or he's been asked to be on the podcast before. I'm on my way to a rollerblading wedding in Mexico. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, it's Kenny Tico. (laughs) Yeah, guys. Oh, (laughs) shit. (laughs) This is a a good lineup tonight, man. Awesome, yeah. Leon, uh, Leon gave me his couch for the night and uh, told me you guys would be calling. That awesome. is amazing. 
So You're welcome, you, Kenny. Yes, welcome. So you guys are Thank sitting you. in in the same room then. Yes. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Drinking tea. Sorry, I don't want it to be annoying, but we're smoking hookah and drinking tea. Is the hookah like really killing the buzz like last time? No, that was only cuz the recorder I think was on the on the table and it was just the vibration. You're good. It was I, I Oh, I guess right. now you can actually hear how it sounds. So, um, Leon, will uh I just want to do a quick intro because I took the dog for a walk and I, w I was thinking about, you went to uh, Winter Clash and Bitter Cold Showdown and yeah. you own rollerblading stores and you've been rollerblading for a very long time. So you're probably one of the best people to talk to. And you're from Canada. Well, you're not from Canada, but you live in Canada. So you have a really good perspective to talk to about these events that you went to. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, you can just jump off at, at any point. Like, if you were to wrap up your whole experience um, in a short little set of words, what would it be? Uh, I was kind of expecting you would ask something like this, but I don't know if I can, I can explain it. Well, why don't you explain? I guess if you ask, like, where did you go and? Sorry. Like, what, what, what trip was this? Where did you go? How long were you gone? Oh, okay. I'll tell you, like, the flights, maybe, <laughs> like the <laughs> places. So I left. Um, end of I left Vancouver at the end of January, like January thirty. I went to Seattle. And then in Seattle, we're actually opening a new store. So I started working on that new store in Seattle. A new shop task. A new shop task. So I worked Holy. there for, for a day, kind of like to see what we want to do with it, and actually started building some shelves, because uh, we already had the keys. And then I left. Uh, so I flew from Seattle. Um, took me like three flights to get to Germany. And I was going, like, the purpose was to go to ISPO, the ISPO. I don't know how you say it, ISPO or ISPO. But uh, it's a trade show for sports. Like, oh, man, there's so much to say. <laughs> Just go. Anyway, so I went there to see, like, um, kind of, like, all the new products, to see, like, Seba. Mostly the purpose was to see all the new Seba stuff. Uh, to see the aggressive skate and talk about marketing and yada yada interesting stuff like that and then oh before that I went to a slalom skating contest in Hanover like a really good one not like the one me and you went yeah uh, it was actually like tons of good skaters like really good, like some of the best in the world, and wow. I, I competed, nice. and I, I got disqualified like right away. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did, and I was so I was definitely like the worst one there. <laughs> really? <laughs> Fuck! Yeah, I was really bad. I actually thought I'm decent, but then, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Is it too? Too much aggressive skating over the years? Is that why you got disqualified? You did an aggressive skating maneuver? No, no. Well, not like disqualified as like they kicked me out. Cause <laughs> the, 
okay. did something illegal. <laughs> it was more, uh, I just sucked really bad, and I got, like, you know, like, out of, the, they had it divided into groups of four, like a bunch of groups of four, so I was in the first group, and out of the four people, the top two or the top three go to the next step. Yeah. I think the top three, so I was the last one, so I just, I was out right away. So maybe I wasn't last, but I got out of the contest first. <laughs> I think that's last. That, that, so that's an accomplishment. That was the biggest, like, skate career accomplishment on this trip. So that's pretty good. Another thing to the resume. But it was fun. I guess everyone kind of saw that I'm not a slalom skater, and I was just still down. Um, people respected it, I think. It was was cool. And then, so I was there for like two days, just hanging out with all the slalom skater guys. So I, I'm kind of buddies with like a lot of like top top ranked slalom skaters in the world. Um, so that's that's interesting to see. I guess to see a different subculture in our industry and like to see like their heroes and how they like how their after parties are happening and it's just so different they're all like good kids um, <laughs> like really young kids really good kids like healthy they go to sleep early before the contest <laughs> that's uh, important <laughs> and there's a lot of girls which is really weird they're all like 16 and stuff, but it's interesting how our industry is all boys or our subculture is all boys. And there's like girls and boys. They're from all over Europe. A lot of them are like dating and stuff because they constantly tour around and go to the to these events. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool. Like it seems like they have a huge... Um, Kind of like competition, how do you call it, like series, all around Europe, and they constantly go there and they constantly compete, and uh, it seems to be pretty cool. Definitely. So do the pros like are there big cash purses for their contests? Um, I'm not sure how much they get like first place. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I guess I wasn't that. Yeah, I didn't. I kind of forgot I was. Maybe they got cash money. I'm not. Well, they sure. were like you, you're saying they're touring like all around Europe. So oh yeah, Seba is paying for tons of skaters to like travel around. Really? Uh, like Seba has like their so they have like a their pro team, which is maybe three, uh, like four, like three, four, like really top guys, like world champions, like the Alex Broska types, and you know what I mean. And then they have an international team, and all over Europe they have like in every country like one or two skaters that are fully sponsored by them, and they get like their hotels paid for, their flights paid for, or like their transportation. Um, so they have probably another like ten, fifteen. I don't know. I can go to like the several website and check. So out of the contest, there must have been like at least ten, fifteen skaters that were paid for bicep but to travel hotel yada yada it is a yeah 
it is cheaper to travel in Europe. So I guess that's uh, there wasn't anyone from like overseas that had to fly there. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah. maybe that's why their comps are so um, so I guess easy to get to. And it's younger crowds, so they're all like 16, 17, 18 for the most part. So they're still in school, so they can, I guess it's easier for them to go to competitions than a, a working person that has to get time off work to go to a skate contest. So I guess they, they still live at home, they don't need as much money. Maybe that's one of the reasons. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this, this whole thing in, was very interesting to see and to actually stay with them in a hotel I was totally like I went there with Naomi who's the Seba distributor in the States and she's like a legendary slalom skater so she was a judge in this competition and that's why I ended up going there and she signed me up to compete and whatnot um, but she was staying with the judges and she just basically like dropped me off in a hotel with a bunch of slalom skaters saying like, oh, don't worry, like they're cool, you know, like you'll make sense. <laughs> I was like, all right. And then no one speaks English in Europe. Well, not no one, but like a lot of the young kids, you know, don't speak it really well. So luckily I know Russian, so I could speak, uh, I could speak Russian to some people and I was staying with mostly like uh, all the Polish guys because Russian is kind of similar, but the Polish guys were pretty cool and really like welcoming and like trying to help me in English. And uh, their trainer, they had a trainer there. Like their team had a trainer. What? Yeah, so the nice. trainer was, a, <laughs> this guy must have been like 50. And uh, he was, uh, he could speak Russian. Anyway, I'm going into so much like random stuff. That's fine. Stop, stop me whenever. Uh, but uh, that was my experience in Hanover for like the, the first two days, three days of my trip. Uh, it was really cool. So yeah, I did make friends with all of them, but uh, it was interesting to be like, obviously when you go to an aggressive contest, it's so easy to make friends because especially if you've been doing it for a while, people just recognize you. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but over there was kind of weird. I'm just this random old guy. <laughs> and they're like, is he like good at skating or something? He's like, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Canada. They're like, whoa, you came from so far. Like the only person from like overseas, like you must be really good. <laughs> and I'm like, no, guys, I'm really not good. They're like, oh, I'm excited to skate with you and stuff. I'm like, no, guys, you, you don't. You don't understand, like, I'm not even a slalom skater. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was all right. So was, then you... was fun. Oh, at pretty fun. And then you transition from there to Winter Clash? Okay, no, from there... Holy fuck, that's going to go into detail about every part of my, <laughs> my trip, and that's going to take, like, three hours. It's going to be the longest podcast ever. Um, but I'll try to be quick. Just, just uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. We got, we got a lot of time, dude. Just relax. Yeah. You can just go off. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me relax for a second. Um, 
from there I went to we took a six hour train overnight to Munich or maybe more than six hours it was overnight like all across Germany uh, and then we went to the ISPO which is was really I guess I always knew that it's a big trade show or expo or whatever uh, but I didn't realize it was that big it was like every single company that related to sports uh, so snowboarding skiing uh, like skating ice skating inline skating like all the action sports like and all the companies that make clothing uh, so like Quicksilver Reef and like I don't know there was just so many companies when you like see them all in one place you're like holy fuck there's so much so many companies uh, so it's like the biggest trade show in the world probably wow it felt like unreal because you know if there's a, a trade show for I don't know what other industry would have such a big trade show um, there was that one in San Diego but that was much smaller I think that Oh, you're talking about what industry has a trade show? Yeah. Oh, like the it's so like, like if it's fashion or something that if it's a big like fashion thing, and and the thing is, ISPO is only for industry people. Like it's only like buyers. It's not for the public. So you have to be from like a company to go there to see the, all those products and all this stuff. And uh, what percentage would you say was rollerblading in that trade show? <laughs> okay, surprisingly. There's a, it's a huge, huge uh, space. It's actually the old airport, the the old Munich airport. Holy shit! And it was full, like it was packed, and has like three huge sections, A, B, and C. Yeah. And then, in each section, there must be uh, there's so in A there would be like A one, A two, A three, A four, five, A six, like about five or six holes. Yeah, and each hole has like maybe a hundred and something different like booths of different companies. Wow! So there must have been over like a thousand different companies. I don't know. I'm just throwing crazy numbers. Yeah. And then what percentage of those were rollerblading companies? <laughs> okay, so the actual companies that had a booth, and it's really expensive to have a booth there. It's like twenty grand minimum for a couple for the three days. Really? Yeah. So the three the companies that had the booth was Seba. They had the nicest booth, and I'm pretty biased to say it, but they <laughs> did have the best booth. Just like really clean, like simple, um, <laughs> black. No, no, for real. It was a good image. I was really. They had a TV screen. They only had one skate. Because they their skates are, I guess, a lot of companies try to copy what they do, and they only had one skate on display. It was like the FR or like basically what we are skating. You know, like the ones I just sent you today, Joey. The FR, like uh... the free ride skate. So yeah. there's different versions. There's like the FR one, which is like kind of like the really popular one. There's the FRA, which is the aggressive one, which is the same skate. Um, well, there's like a FR Deluxe and FRX and FR2, but they're all basically the same boot, yeah. But just with different kind of uh, different price points and different like quality of components. 
and you can customize them because they have different colors of cuffs and yada yada sorry if it sounds like a sales pitch here but my point was they only had that fr skate in like different setups on the wall and it looked just really cool like just one skate that looks really really sharp in like different colors and setups and combos um over like a black thing and they had a tv screen that was playing like their best videos and i was on one of those videos <laughs> <laughs> and i was shocked <laughs> and, and very proud at the same time like the fra video because it was like promoting one of those models in a sense yeah i love that uh that you're on the site now and you're you're on the the vimeo account um because i think out of like the big wheeling edits that's one of the better ones that have, have has come out and i'm not i'm not trying to be biased either that oh that that top acid 540 out yeah so sick everyone talks about that Thanks. one specific trick Thanks. hey because of the stickiness of the wheels was used yeah to it was advantage. very exclusive to the large well, wheels that, that, and actually kenny was there kenny yeah. was with us on this tour when we went to Actually, um, Whitehorse, Kenny can tell you the story of like this thing. The, the majority of Leon's tricks in that edit um, were on a tour to the Yukon this summer. Yeah. And uh, that particular trick, the top acid 540 out, uh, what you can't see is the quality of the cement. And you basically couldn't have done that trick with an aggressive setup, especially an Annie Rockard one. So the grinding was one thing, but the things you can roll on are another. So Leon kind of opened my eyes a little more to the... Uh, grinding side of power blading but i'm still just a fan of it because i like going fast and sort of feels like skiing definitely i didn't even think of that the run-up you can't you do land in like shitty yeah it's kind of I, I remember it's super sketchy ground it, it's a cr cracked cement um run runway to a gravel muddy parking lot <laughs> but it was really well packed it was summer <laughs> <laughs> Was it like but a? I think that was a funny spot, because um, we were driving. Like that was the longest stretch of the drive, because we always like drive for like four hours and try to get footage. By the way, we're driving to the Yukon. To those of you who don't know, from Vancouver to Whitehorse Yukon, that's like straight thirty-five hour drive if you're driving straight. So oh. that's like in European terms, it's like crossing Europe and back. <laughs> Yeah. So a lot of this footage in, in your Seba edit was you stopping along the way to the Yukon? Yes. Yeah. Well, just st spots, you know, like a skate tour. But the the final destination was to get to the Yukon, which is at the province right above BC, and to get to Whitehorse, which is the first city in this huge province. So it's around Alaska, if that makes any, if that helps some yeah. people. Because I do know now that there's a lot of people listening to this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll um, no, but that's, that's really interesting to know because the, the, the footage in that edit really reflects that you guys were just kind of stopping along the way. Like a lot of it is really sketchy kind of spots. Yeah. And uh, a lot of spots that you wouldn't really want to skate with like normal skates because the ground looks really shitty and... In a lot of it, like, you know, you're landing in dirt and, and stuff. So that's really interesting to know. Where, where can people find the footage of this tour? Well, um, actually, Danny Beer is working on a video, so me saying it now puts him on a... Uh-oh. On a... 
put some pressure on him to release it soon. But he's been uh, yeah. he's been working on it, and we actually talked about it a couple of days ago. Ooh. So it was actually a really fun tour. We got um, so it should be out. I think Daddy said in a month, but skater time. Yeah, that's I right. Say, oh, hey, yes, by Kurt, the end of the summer. Hey, he can have. Well, let's see. So if he wants to beat me for flip flops, he has to get it done under a year and a few months. But I'm in second place, and Dustin's in third place because he hasn't even completed his yet. The forever winner. <laughs> No, actually, this is also really exciting, but I, yeah, Dustin has been, we've been exchanging emails as of like the past few weeks, and the video is done now, and he contacted me that he wants to post it, and yada yada, it might be a surprise if it does get posted, but I don't want to like, this is not really official, so I can say it, but... Leon uh, Basson is talking about Imagine Blade Shun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The video you're all anxious, anxiously awaiting. Dustin said that it's coming out, so... He told me Uh-oh. that, too, a, a little bit ago, so... Um... Oh, shit. Yeah. We've been exchanging emails, and he was like, he's coming back to Canada in, like, a few days, and he's just going to be home. But the video is done. He wanted to... He had it compressed and everything, and he just wanted to do, like, some final changes, but I've heard this one before. We'll see. <laughs> Holy, so, okay... Danny Beer is going to be finishing the new tour video. You just got back from this whirlwind trip. Dustin might be releasing Imagine Blade Shun. Spring is coming. Dustin had like the highlight section of the Shadow video. Come on, Canada. Come on. <laughs> Canada, give it up. Canada. Canada. Ow, ow, Canada. Ow, ow, ow. Canada. And Probably, I could list probably 20 more things. How much awesome stuff is is happening in Canada? That video was unreal. Is it? Well, I don't remember much from the video, but because everything was so good. You know, sometimes you don't remember. Yeah. Because the video is like not that great and you just don't remember any tricks. Yeah. But it has the same effect when the video is just too good and all the tricks are too good. It's hard to remember things because it's just all mind blowing. Have you seen it, Kenny? Did you watch it? No, I haven't. Just bits, just bits and pieces, not the, not the thing from front to back. Damn! I hope to I watch always, it I always judge a video by how badly I want to watch it a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time. So, did you watch it multiple times, Leon? Well, I'm not. A f- I watched it at the pre- dude. I've been so busy. I don't have time to like. Uh, not that I don't want to watch it, but I guess I just don't have enough time. I don't want to watch it in parts. I'm not like that. It's not, it's not like I'm going to watch a little part before skating or something like this. Um, I guess I would want to watch it with someone, like the full thing. And I just yeah. didn't find the time to do it because I just got back yesterday. and what? Like yesterday morning, and I took a cab from the airport to the shop. <laughs> to work the shop because no one could work. <laughs> so, I and then I came home like after being away for a month and yeah, I just went to sleep basically yesterday and today was just kind of catching up on life. And tomorrow I'm going to Seattle first thing for a few days to open the store. So you're back for a day and then you're going to Seattle tomorrow. 
I was planning to go this morning, but then I was kind of generous with myself. And uh, I talked to my girlfriend, and she's like, you should really stay home for at least a day before you like go for another few days out of the country. Good yeah. for so. you, Leon, having a self-date. And you're, so, and you're spending it with us. Yeah, yeah, that was very exciting for mm -hmm. me. <laughs> so uh, is this your first store in the United States of America? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's the really first shop task. We actually had a booth at Bittercold. Nice. So we kind of came, came to say hello and have a booth, which worked really well, I think. Cool. Um, I guess this I don't judge by how much money we made. It's more like by what kind of image I think we came, we brought it and how we came across. So I think we did a really good job in that sense and it was a very successful trip. I'm nice. sure there was a lot of people who just wanted to meet and, and talk with you and talk about ShopTask because I, I find that ShopTask has a has lots of amazing stuff that has been put out with ShopTask attached to it. So I think a lot of people are just excited about ShopTask in general. So that must have been cool for you, meeting people, you know, that have seen edits and videos and things that yeah, I was really surprised. Uh, a lot of people actually knew about like everything, like the shop, Canadian skating, you guys, um, like way more than I expected. I kind of always feel, I obviously know what's going on in your podcast and what everyone in Canada is doing, but to actually be meet random people around the world that just like, hey, I know you, or like, when I say shop task or I'm from Canada, it's like, do you know mushroom blading? It's like, <laughs> and like what? just tell them that like, yeah, those are my friends and we live pretty close by and well, not anymore, but uh, still, I guess pretty close for Canadian distances. Definitely. But I still feel like I keep in touch. Like, yeah, I still feel like you guys live close. I probably would end up seeing you and Todd more often than some people in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, hopefully more so as the years go on. Every time we have like events and get-togethers, it, it reminds me of how important it is to do more of it. But goddamn uh, being an adult and all that stuff yeah, gets in the way, but not really. By the way, Todd, congratulations. That's the first time I talk I'm talking to you since your baby. Oh, thank you, Leon. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> yes, I, I procreated successfully. <laughs> yeah, good job. My, Mission accomplished. Yeah. Hope years of nothing yourself and can still yep. produce. My fish can swim. <laughs> I did it. I'm yeah, it's it's a good for the ego. You didn't drink too much Mountain Dew. No. <laughs> oh, I remember that. <laughs> Urban legend. <laughs> <laughs> That's and how Todd... you can ruin a company. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you skate this type of skate, they say that your feet would shrink. Or <laughs> <laughs> and you know what they say about shrunk feet. Anyway. What are they? Oh. Todd, you didn't even nut yourself so much as you did just get totally annihilated by your falls on handrails. Yeah, I've nutted myself a couple times pretty bad. But when you would nut yourself, then there'd be a multi-layered thing happening where, like, your foot would hook on something and you would flip around. 
Yeah, usually nutting myself was just the beginning. <laughs> it was just a, a ride where I just destroyed myself. <laughs> the uh, the Dale Phillips knowledge passed from Richie Eisler. I got to remember that this year. Just if you're falling, grab the rail. Grab the rail. Grab the rail. Yeah. We didn't know in Kamloops. Nobody told us. We didn't have the oracle of knowledge. That one little thing would have saved us many times. See, in, in Kamloops, our whole approach was like, go to a rail, try it like two or th maybe once or twice, like either do it or fuck yourself up. <laughs> and that's like the only way we knew to skate it. And then we would hang out with these Alberta skaters who would like jump up and and miss but like grab the rail and like land on the stairs and not kill themselves and then do that a bunch of times and then and then do it like people like sean unwin it was such a trip to watch sean sean unwin skate rails because he was so casual and he would just like test it out a couple times and not kill up. himself He's we, we just didn't have that skill counts for a lot definitely counts for a lot you know, after all these years, as good as we are at landing our tricks, I think we're even better at not. <laughs> because to fall safely, I think, is an art itself. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's an, a very important skill. It's, it's half of, yeah, it's half of the game. Yeah. Totally. Oh, doing some editing in the past, when you're like watching certain falls frame by frame, it's amazing some of the intuitive wisdom that we have just before we hit the ground. Like how we can move split our second, body really quick. Split yeah. second decision making. Yeah, yeah, there's some insane ones I've seen where it's completely blind and I've touched the ground with my hand while in the air to see where it was <laughs> and then quickly pulled my hand back. Like bizarre stuff that mm -hmm. you've been learning those skills without knowing them and you couldn't yeah. really teach them. You mm -hmm. Because wisdom is uh, experience and knowledge together. And pain is a great teacher. <laughs> Amazing yes, teacher. Speaking of which, Kenny, that gap that you tried, how big was that? Um, like that... most recently this summer? Yeah, it was like a wall Okay. Gap. So um, that's a real famous gap in Calgary. We call it DP's gap because uh, <laughs> he was the first guy to try it. And he did about two summers ago, and uh, he tried it five times. And, you know, he was wearing, like, a big, thick leather jacket and everything, <laughs> like, ready, like, for battle with this thing. And uh, That's a good strategy, actually. On the, <laughs> on the small side of it, it's about 13 feet. But, I mean, if you really charge and jump high, you're looking at upwards of there. Uh, flat to flat, and you have to jump over about a two-and-a-half-foot wall. So it's just not straight roll off the end. You actually have to have to jump. Um, but yeah, I tried it twice. Um, I came real close both times, but just told myself I wouldn't be able to land it. Way too much impact. Um, those two attempts kind of shot my legs, so there would have been no way I would have been able to land it on the third try. And it still remains um, undefeated. Actually. Karma released an edit not too long ago of some Calgary clips, and I saw DP tried it again in that edit, so oh. he was back. But he only <laughs> tried it he tried it once, and uh, and that was it. So and it's so exciting! I think every town has those gaps. That it's definitely, man. Every it's, town has a leap of faith. 
It's that it's like one. someone's it's... tried it or a couple people have tried it, but they haven't landed it. And it just turns into a legend. Like in Camelot, we have the fun stuff gap. Oh, yeah. And only Jordan Coles. It's at, it's, it's at the beginning of OK Buddy. Straight air is it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that it's is a slip. huge gap. Yeah. He's tried it twice. Two did times. He? Yeah, Jordan two different did? times. Yeah, once um, in Illusion he tried it, and then in either OK Buddy or... Oh, it's yeah, it's in OK Buddy. And he got, like, family oh, and friends yeah. to come watch him jump that. That was crazy, the pressure that he must have felt. He I did do it. tried in Illusion. Friends nowadays to jump a gap. <laughs> hey, guys, can you come and watch me? <laughs> Well, oh, I think that was almost the deal with DP's gap. Um, it had been almost a year since he tried it that first time, and we eyed it up one day. And I was like, "I've got this. Let's come back here in a couple weeks with the cameras and and let's shoot this." And so you know, like Chris Wedman came out shooting still photos. Karma's shooting for the uh, RPT <laughs> Battle My Crew edit. We had like three GoPros going. Sean Unwin and Dallas show up. Next thing you know, there's 15 people, and then people on their front porch see what's going on. And we've got the, the neighborhood showing up for the gap, and it's taking me like 10 minutes in between tries, and the crowd's getting bigger. How do you deal? Okay, so what's going on mentally in that? It's, it's hard to kind of break that down, but for you, what, do you, what goes through your head when there's that much kind of pressure gathering? Well, like for a stunt like that, I was thinking about it like days or even weeks ahead of time. And that day I was just like so focused on doing it the night before. And I just knew that I was going to be like super committed and focused that day. So like the people didn't really matter. I just kind of had business with the gap. But I never landed it. But look out because the RPT battle my crew edit is going to be fucking sick. And there's a handful of hammers in there uh, that I don't need to feel bad about not landing that one. Awesome. I love yeah. all of the, the edits, and I love the website for RPT. Canada, again, definitely doing it up very big. And, Kenny, for the listeners who don't know your age, how old are you and you're trying things that massive? Oh, well, I'm 33 years old. Holy I'll, be, I'll be 34 this year. and uh, He's the oldest player. there. And my body feels <laughs> fine. I have no permanent or repetitive stress injuries um i snowboard a lot i've been 70 days this season um i live in whistler and i haven't worked in six months so snowboarding <laughs> pretty much my life right now um i hit uh i hit the big jumps in the pro line so i'm gapping like 60 to 70 feet on my snowboard it's what i imagine hitting the mega ramp must feel like because the mega ramp 65 feet so I'm getting the same sensation, you know, being in the air for that long, and it feels like flying, man. Like, there's nothing I can compare it to other than just what I imagine flying feels like. It's awesome. I love that. I love to get that flying feeling, though, on my rollerblades. So I'm into gaps still. I'm into trying to ride transition and launching and flipping and spinning and all that stuff is still really fun for me. You've always been very good at airs and gaps and things. The first time I saw you skate in person was, and actually we had heard about the the really good guy from Ottawa, right? That's where you were from. I'm from Ontario. No, but was was 
It was it Ottawa? No. No, Ontario. I was born in Toronto, but I grew okay. up close to Guelph. Why would I say Ottawa? Is that because that's so the capital? Good. Is that the capital yeah. of? Okay. And it sounds similar to Ontario. No, but I'm not that ignorant, Kenny. <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. <laughs> um, I'm a mysterious almost. man. But it was a, uh, the was it a true spin? No, no, no. The kill, Mike Kill had a comp in that gymnasium. Oh, and right. And there's footage yes, in Cirque du Soleil. That, that was yeah. the first time skating with you, and there yeah. you had that crazy fall on that flip. That's yeah. Cirque du Soleil. That was amazing what you tried, and yeah, I've we, heard that you've perfected that maneuver. We like, skated that church where that setup was um, weeks before that contest, and yeah, I just it was a wall ride, and I backflipped the wall ride for like first try. So I tried it again the day of the comp, and totally stalled out upside down, and dropped about eight feet to my head, no helmet. Yeah. But and, I haven't really taken many wipeouts like that since, and that was about, what, eight, ten years ago now? Yeah. It's weird to think of how far away some of this stuff was. When yeah. I posted that first pop contest edit, I didn't realize that was almost a decade old. That right. We're starting to carve out our own history in Canada here. Yeah. And I heard that you used that kind of same technique. You did, I didn't see any footage of it, but you did like a, a push-off kind of a vert wall at pop contest was it front flip or back flip oh it was a back flip so okay so my deal is that i'm from calgary and we have <laughs> super cold winters for anyone listening or doesn't really know me or where i'm from or what calgary is about um it gets brutally cold in the winter like between minus 20 and minus 40 and there's no indoor skate parks so skating sometimes just totally isn't even an option um and this is right when YouTube videos were getting kind of popular and parkour was making a name for itself as a sport. So I saw some parkour and free running edits on the internet and I decided to check out some gymnastics clubs in town and see if they had an open session. So basically through me missing skating in the winter time, I found parkour and I just started training maybe twice a week, jumping around on trampolines to foam pit, learning to tumble and flip and, uh, do some flat ground tricking and then it got into handstanding and stuff like that a little bit of break dancing and then since then I've just kind of tried to take what I've learned on my feet to what I could already do on my skate so uh, sorry for that long introduction but the trick you're talking about I thought about it for a long time and I did it at pop contest this summer and there's a vert wall at Chuck Bailey skate park in Vancouver and uh, it breaks to vert pretty quickly, so you can get quite quite high up on it if you really hit it with some speed. And it's called a wall pat in parkour. So in shoes, I would just jump at the wall and push off with both my hands and do a backflip. And so I did that with my skates on, on the vert wall. Um, there is a clip of it, kind of a sketchy landing, but I did land it. I'd like to, you know, maybe do it proper and get a, a real clip out of it. But it is in the popularity contest edit. Um, that was put out after the uh, competition. It was super sick. I believe I told you about that, Joey. Thank you. Oh, I was very excited about it. He's giving yeah. Ledoux a run for his money. Right. <laughs> yeah, that hand push backflip. And it if amazing. Well, on the subject of Kenny tricks, um, the the gainer backflip is that the right term? Yeah. Uh, into the bank it? in the in the olive carbon edit. Were, yeah. Had anyone done that before? Um, like well, that, 
flat I, to bank? I don't know about flat to bank, but I did see a flat to flat um, gainer, maybe down like a six there in a roller news edit like two years ago. I'd never heard of the guy. He was from like, I think it was like an Eastern European country. I couldn't even pronounce the name. And it was a really short, like one minute edit. And it was just a minute of hammers. And it, the last trick was he did a zero backflip down a set. And then he gainer backflips the set. Those are those are the two enders. And I was just blown away that the gainer was possible on rollerblades, that he didn't stall out upside down. And I can do it so easily just on my shoes um, that I was like, well, there's no reason I can't do it on my skates if this guy can. So uh, when I went to visit Richie in Barcelona two summers ago, uh, I kind of unveiled this trick that I had been thinking about and working on in the gym. And I did about five of them that summer yeah it was really fun it's a really interesting rotation because you're not using a ramp at all to launch it and um, you're just relying on your own like power of the jump and commitment to the rotation and I know that there's mixed reactions about these kinds of tricks in our sport but you know what it's the direction all the other sports are taking and maybe it's the reason all the other sports are getting a little more recognition or sponsorship or popularity. Like I think that we have to go upside down because that's what snowboarding's doing and that's what skiing's doing and that's even what skateboarding's skateboarding is doing and scooter kids are doing. So like as unique as our grinds make our sport, I think we have to bring those basics back, you know? Like a lot yeah. more pro skaters should be able to do a backflip than can do a backflip, yeah. even though that shouldn't be the basis of our sport, but it should be like a building block towards other more progressive maneuvers. Totally. It's funny because like back in the day, most pros could misty flip. Like a misty flip was like a standard kind of yeah. trick. Um, and then it kind of like for a long time going inverted got stigmatized and it was yeah. like a, a circus thing it was like yeah. uncool to do flips um so yeah. like it's funny because a lot of pro skaters now you you'll never see them do a backflip or a front flip or a, or a misty right um when like to to non-roll betters that's the most exciting thing you could possibly do exactly do inverted air and then Montre, I think, kind of made the Misty flip cool again in recent yeah. years, you know? The yeah. way he does it all rocket and with super huge amplitude, super steezy. Like, um, and then what I was really blown away with recently was, I don't know the name of the skater, but I was watching uh, Bitter Cold highlight edit and uh, whoever was trying the double flip on that mega launch. Roman. Yeah. That was Holy amazing. Shit. Yeah. Go that direction because all the other sports they're doing triples already. Like we yeah. at least need some of our pros doing double something, you know. Well, didn't didn't eight Ato one of the, didn't one of the Yasutokos do? A oh yeah, a, or a double? Yes, in a vert ramp. But yeah. I mean, outside. I'm talking like outside of the vert ramp, like off a launch. On a launch box, yeah. yeah. In on a street course, you know, in a competition. We've yeah, got... I think that's progression in the right direction. And, um... and snowboarding are cool as shit, and we need to realize that we have more in common with those sports than than we do differences. Totally. And that's a perfect segue into the next trick that I wanted you to talk about was your to your toe in five forty gap at at pop contest. Oh, um, sweet. Oh. That 
that is I didn't see it in person and it looked like one of the bigger 540s I've seen in a long time in terms of length and height um, and it looked like a ski or snowboard size gap so I'm I'm sure I hope everyone has seen it is there a place where people can go to see that if they're listening to this right now it was the sick picture somewhere uh, yeah it was the sequence yeah um that sequence looks incredible i'm um, you know that might be on the facebook popularity contest homepage. Uh, okay i know the edit from that day is and a couple angles of that trick are in the edit but i know the sequence picture you're talking about i think it's also um on that facebook page so yeah people can find it there the popularity contest but uh Someone will post it in but the comments. I'll, I'll talk for just a minute about that trick. Yeah, this, like you said, the skiing and se- snowboarding being a segue into this. So for this particular trick, there's a really big gap in the skate park that I didn't think I could get enough speed for using my feet. And I have a Banshee bungee. For anybody who doesn't know what one is, um, it's like a 20-foot-long bungee rope with a wakeboard handle attached to it and all the pro skiers and snowboarders are using them for all the urban sections because in the past you'd have to get your buddies, two buddies holding one of your hands and slingshot you into a rail or something um, or to do a gap. Then So so where does one find a, a, a bungee, a this bungee? bungee you're talking about? Yeah, I, I bought it at uh, the skateboard shop in Calgary. So they're selling them at the skateboard and snowboard shops. They cost about three hundred dollars for the for the twenty footer that I have, and the top speed on the twenty footer is sixty five kilometers an hour. <laughs> so you can have three buddies fully max the thing out and shoot you faster than you need to go for any gap on skate. So, anyways, with the pop contest gap, that's exactly what we did. I had three guys pulling it. And it wasn't maxed, but I was playing with the speed because I didn't land it first try. It took about four four attempts. Um, and uh, I figured I was going about 40 or 50. And uh, a couple of the guys who are running the comp, um, Travis and Mike Vinu, or Matt Vinu, they measured that gap the day before because they thought someone might try it. And uh, it was about 25 feet. So twenty five big. Feet. I'm looking that's, at the sequence now. It was like a like, bi- it was totally bio. That's like five cars or like six cars, you know. Um, and I'm ab- and I'm about nine or ten feet in the air at the highest point of the jump. But landing so fast, I remember the moment before my feet touched the ground, and I just knew I was gonna land it. And I was going so fast, it took all the impact away. Like I yeah. only want to do gaps with the bungee now. I never want to skate into a gap again. <laughs> Totally. That's where it's at is like really fast because the more speed you have, the less impact you have when you're landing. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the best feelings I ever had in my life. That That's very underrated is uh, sometimes, I mean not always, but even for grind, sometimes it can be safer to go a lot faster. Yeah. That if you fuck up, you have a little bit more time to think of, I don't know, saving yourself. In some way, that uh, well, you, obviously it's like you don't land. If you think about the angle of it, like you you don't land as hard on on whatever you fall on. If you're going really fast, um, you 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 hit it at more of an angle and you just slide. Unless you're going directly into the ground, which is all bad. Just physics. Yeah, <laughs> like, like when you 
<laughs> when you see like a footage of someone jumping off of a roof in like older footage and they shouldn't be and they're kind of heavier right. and they're not going very fast yeah and they're, and they're doubting like themselves snaps. and going slow <laughs> oh my god best clip that people can relate this topic to is that giant ski gap back in the day Eric Perquet ski that yeah, double yeah. set where he's being towed in by that car yeah, yeah. you guys the know the, you guys know the oh clip. yeah 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 it's like the most massive gap period in any sport right and I mean the only way that was possible was going that fast yeah for sure definitely well, you, the, the thing you have to go yeah. that fast it's a freaking like 50 stairs yeah that would that be interesting to talk to the driver of that car <laughs> and, and, and and find out how fast it was going. Right. Like, probably like 70, 70 or 80 clicks. I don't like think really so. fast. It, he was that going fast. fast. He was going fast. Really I'm saying, I, fast. I, I, I could see 70. Yeah, I could see 70 kilometers. Yeah. That, um, how fast did you think you were going for the 540 at Pop Contest? 45 or 50. 45 or 50? Yeah. And how can we get on that speed, like just on flat ground, if we were to skate as hard as we possibly could, could we even get up to that speed with our legs without okay. a bungee? Okay, so Danny Beer saw me setting up the bungee and then snaked the gap and actually did it before me. And he dropped in at the one end of the skate park using like a six foot quarter pipe and then charged with his feet for about like 100 feet. And uh, and landed about ten feet short of where I did. I went an extra like ten feet further, and he barely cleared the fence. Yeah, he like jumped really high up. Yeah, and then up really far out. Like so, his like high point was right above the rail. Where when Kenny did it after the rail, he kept on going up or like <laughs> up high like for a while. And the five forty also carries you further than like a one eighty that you like lift up your feet. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So, do you think there's going to be purists, or does this happen in skiing or snowboarding yet? Is there purists that say that uh, that they should get their own speed? I think that would be ridiculous. <laughs> but do you think that's going to happen in rollerblading? Like, I, I know what you mean. Well, no, in the other sports, no, because it's the only way to ride these otherwise unrideable obstacles. Yeah. Like on ski hill, you have the hill, the mountain. You have physics and gravity at your on your side, like. In a flat urban environment, sometimes it's the only way to open up an obstacle. With the totally. with the bungee and skating, uh, it's really cool how we can skate so fast without the bungee. So you don't need it, obviously, in every situation. But another thing I notice is that sometimes skating to a gap as fast as I can takes all the energy out of my legs that I need to be able mm -hmm. to absorb the impact. So the thing oh. about hitting a gap with bungee speed is that your legs are fresh. And when oh. you touch the ground, your legs have no lactic acid buildup. You're not huffing and puffing out of breath. Mm -hmm. You're ready to stomp this fucker. And totally. you're like mentally more focused on yeah. just landing, landing, landing. Like you don't have to focus on like which foot goes before which foot. Exactly. You know, sometimes when you run to a gap. You're just going straight. And you feel like such a badass throwing that handle away and just having all that speed that you didn't <laughs> have to work for. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So, that seems like that seems that seems like a great tool. Yeah. The Banshee bungee kids, go get one. So is um, that like is that a skill to like learn basically to how to yeah you have to learn your speed and how to yeah. like 
you say you pull off of it when you come off of it. Like I'm sure that takes some practice. Yeah, you have to throw it away or else you'll run over it. Yeah, like I wouldn't want to use the bungee like towards a huge gap for the first time. I would want to like try it out and get In used a to the flat bungee. parking lot. Exactly. Yeah, just yeah. but that seems yeah, that's <laughs> so we were testing it out one day playing with the speed on it and uh alex france from calgary um we launched him like full speed four people's maxing the thing out in a flat parking lot and uh it had the parking space lines on the ground and he just jumped and he jumped over four parking spaces flat ground <laughs> Not that, four. no problem I was jumping up and down. We gotta get one. Todd, that's your shit. Because a lot of the best stuff that you've done has been like sketch. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, yeah. is it is it better than baseball where you're getting Todd? You're getting towed in by the car in the first part of the video, and then you like 360 and or 540, and then you turn into a 360. Yeah, yeah. That would have been a perfect type of uh, situation for a bungee. Yeah, with a bungee, that would have been a lot. A lot easier yeah because yeah you could get even more speed than with a tow from a car like if you have a short yeah a short distance in front of the gap bungee right. is the way to go like basically it's impossible in normal circumstances to get going like 40 50 clicks up to a gap yes yeah. for some for some run-ups but here you go you can do it that's really sweet yeah just my perspective on skating, of course. Definitely, definitely. And then actually it's funny because uh, so um, sometime in September I was contacted by a stunt crew from the States who was doing um, a stunt show in Fort McMurray, Alberta, which is about eight hours north of Calgary. So um, of course I was stoked that they would even found out about me and they gave me this call and this opportunity. So I, I went for two days, and it was like uh, basically like mini Nitro Circus. They had uh, a bunch of BMXers, skateboarders. I was the one rollerblader, and then a bunch of guys on uh, mini motor motorcycles, like 50 to 100 cc bikes, and they were hitting a skate launch ramp and doing all the real freestyle motocross tricks like Supermans and I don't know what they call those tricks, but backflips and stuff on uh, on the five foot skate launch box um so the whole day um we have an eight foot quarter pipe to use to hit this launch box with and uh, at the end of the day like an hour before our first performance like a sold out 3000 seat arena show they say we have to move the quarter pipe because the bmxers are finding it too hard to hit the super big jump there was a six foot jump with a 12 foot gator pit that i just couldn't have enough speed to hit so that wasn't even an option for me um anyways they tell me i don't have a quarter pipe to hit the launch box anymore and basically there's no way i could get enough speed just imagine using your feet to shoot yourself at a five foot quarter uh, launch so like rollerblading was going to look ridiculous because I wasn't going to be able to do what I can do and luckily I brought my bungee with me it was in my trunk so uh, (laughs) I'm like no problem I've got this bungee and it'll even add to like the theatrical aspect of the show (laughs) so uh, so I had the floor to myself for five minutes um, during the performance and uh, 
we used the bungee and the crowd was loving it. It was such a gimmick. Like they had never seen it before. They were wondering what's going on when we were stretching it out and when people were pulling it back for me, they had no idea what to expect. And then I'm just getting all this speed out of nowhere and flipping off this ramp and people were stoked. And then at the end of the show, we had choreographed a stunt and uh, I start a flip train and I get towed in on one of the 100cc bikes and do a misty flip over the box. And then I got like four BMXers flipping <laughs> behind me and then four guys on motorcycles flipping behind them. So it was my first time ever like participating in something like that. And the bungee kind of saved my performance. Nice. Oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. Fort McMurray. That's it. For people who don't know, that's a, is it the oil sands is close to there or? Yeah. So I think they're called the Athabasca uh, oil sands and it's uh, far north in Alberta. And uh, yeah, it's if big. You've seen, if you've seen FUBAR 2. It's right. the town that Terry and Diener go to to, yes. to get jobs. To make money in the Mac. Yeah. <laughs> or Mac money. <laughs> so that's where the show was, and there was 3,000 people? Well, yeah. So um, the stunt group putting on um, the performance, they're called the Divi Division Stunt Team, and they're from the States. They weren't actually putting on the show. The show was being put on by a bunch of promoters from Vegas who ha had family in Fort McMurray. And that's how the idea for the location was pitched to them. And their marketing angle is that they use small, they do small arena shows um, and they use these 50 to 100 cc bikes because if you had real motorcycles in there, you would need a real size arena with the higher ceiling. So basically, they could put on a high-performance stunt show in a small ceil ceiling venue. So um, Canadian junior, hockey a, junior A hockey arenas are perfect for this type of a show. They usually seat between one and 3,000 people, and, uh, and the ceiling is just high enough so the little motorcycles can do their thing. And um, the way it worked is that there was a show on Friday night, and then there was a show Saturday afternoon and a show Saturday night. So three performances in the weekend. And uh, the way they worked it was that it was uh, pretty much a BMX competition. Um, they had some real high talent BMX riders. One of the guys won um, bronze at uh, the X Games this summer in BMX Vert. His name is Michael Laren. And uh, he was one of the competitors. And it was basically a BMX competition and a freestyle Moto X competition with a few demonstrations from other sports in between. So they had a skateboard demonstration, they had a flatland BMX demonstration, and they had um, an inline demonstration. I was the only um, rollerblader. So I was representing us. And, and uh, well, oh, go I, ahead. I was stoked. It was such an honor and such an experience at the Is same there time. Any footage? Um, none that I know of. Just a couple pictures. Holy shit! Yeah. How, this, how did they find you, Kenny? Okay, so um, so I'm on tour with Leon and the boys, tasking around in the Yukon, and um, we're with Eric Burroughs, a skater from Toronto, Canada. And I never met Eric before. Um, just on this trip, it was our first time meeting each other, and you know we'd spent two weeks together at this point. And on one of the last days of the tour, he gets a call from Adam Kilgore because he's boys with Kilgore from Woodward because Eric spends a lot of time at Woodward and uh, is connected there. So Kilgore is looking for launch box skaters 
in the Edmonton area. So Eric reads this text out loud. Hey guys, do you know any launchbox skaters in the Edmonton area? And it was <laughs> fingers pointing, you know? So it was like, uh, duh, yeah, I'm right here, <laughs> you know? Um, so that was that. Kilgore sent me a message, put me in touch with the stunt team, and they took it over from there. And uh, had a really awesome time with these people from other sports, and they really respected what I was doing. Like, they had no attitude. If they did, it was all dropped after the first show. They were totally down with rollerblading once the weekend was over, man. It was really, really humbling to, to, to get recognition from other sports, you know, not just from, not just from rollerbladers. That's awesome Very to cool. hear. I find that um, now that I'm older and kind of like the joke that Leon made about being like an older man going to that slalom competition and the joke that I made about going to the skate park in Kennels and being an older man, that a lot of uh, what I feel like might be animosity towards rollerblading has become an illusion now because people are so thrown off that that this person has been doing it for so long that it's it's like um, the respect is there just because of the wizard, the wizard yeah. factor. Yeah. How do you make fun of that? Like if yeah. if a older, if like a thirty year old guy with a beard was riding a scooter like really intensely with a lot of skill, like how do you make fun of that? You can't. Ten year old, yeah, punk in high school, right? So just by time alone that a lot of us have been doing this for close uh, like two decades now that counts for so much and i i have some old reserved pain from when i was younger that probably a lot of the time isn't even there when i go up to a park and feel animosity i i think a lot of the time it's just an illusion it is now yeah and you know what our skills are so refined at this point that when we show up to a skate park people are stopping and watching and heads are turning because of where we're at you know 10 years ago when we thought we were as good as we could be we still <laughs> lacked a lot of the fundamentals like proper transition riding and, and knowing how to pump and wearing knowing where to pump and where to take your strides or this and that right but now there's no denying like we we're we've become masters of our craft and it, it's apparent for all to see Absolutely. Some of the I see lots of looks of confusion as well. Yeah. And it's like people are like, for one, I haven't seen rollerblading in a yeah. really long time. Two, yeah. this guy's older. Like, did he just start now? Is this a new thing, or has he been doing this <laughs> yeah. the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> people have more questions than ever, too, eh? Yeah, definitely. I get a I lot love of that freak factor. My skates. Yeah. Where to get them? How long I've been doing it for? Leon, where do people get skates? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> you want the real answer? Oh yeah, where actually where where, where do people, people get, get aggressive skates? Yeah, aggressive. Unfortunately, ball? online. Yeah, that's that's where you get inline skates <laughs> online. Well, that's where you get aggressive skates. Ah, uh, that that's true. Yeah. Um. There was a couple people. Have you sent any skates out to Kamloops in the last while, like to kids I, randomly, or is that just people? So people don't because so pe they sh they ship everything from Toronto now. Oh, 
So I don't even see any of the orders. So like AJ and Eric ship all the orders. Oh, okay. Actually, the Eric that Kenny's talking about, Eric Burrow. I can't wait to meet him. Oh, Eric is incredible. He's like he's funny. Yeah, real funny dude. He's the best dude ever. Get him to rap for you when you meet him, Joey. <laughs> Sweet. Oh man, you never. You guys should do a podcast with Eric. This guy. We really should. Yeah. He's, he has an edit on the front page of Shop Task now. Yeah, I, I love nice. that edit. Did you like it? Yeah. This yeah, he's really funny. I'll hit him up. I want to do a podcast with he, him for sure. Eric um, is amazing. This edit is really good. I really like it. I want his dog to meet my dog as well, but I don't think that'll ever happen. You know, Yo, your dog's going to meet his dog? <laughs> it's gangster, son. <laughs> and I, I have um, one more question about the tour before we go back to Winter Clash. Um, was the bungee used on the Yukon tour, and was it just Kenny using it, or did other people use it as well? Uh, can, and can you answer that? Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, from the 540 we talked about at Pop Contest, um, when I was working out the bungee speed to make the gap, the first attempt, I didn't think I had enough speed and I had to bail out, but I had nowhere to bail to because there's a, a metal fence in the way. So I had to take the impact. I hit the fence with both feet, trying to absorb it like a gap, and I sprained my knee. So I couldn't really skate as hard as I wanted to on tour. And it actually took about three or four days before I could even put on my rollerblades again um, since pop contest. So, I mean, when that footage does come out, I'm definitely not skating 100%. But I don't use the bungee at all on tour. Um, Kevin Lapierre does. And uh, there's a clip of it in his ground control edit. And he's going up a huge loading dock. The ramp on this thing is like... 30, 40 feet long and maybe 7 or 8 feet at the top because it's so long you'd never have enough speed to launch off of it but we maxed out the bungee and shot him off this thing and he launches and does a sick sick 540 you might uh, know Kevin that, Lapierre from the top 10 at Bitter Cold Showdown 2013 oh that's right. yeah that's right holy and shit that was my first time meeting him as well and it was like uh, pretty crazy you know being like twice his age and uh, still have still <laughs> so much in common. Is that how old is he then? So he's sixteen, seventeen, something like that. He's a young dude. Leon would know. Wow. So uh, him se- and Wake se- Shepman. Seventeen or eighteen, he is. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit! Well, it's gonna be so exciting watching these guys grow up and continue. Yeah, to skate. I was blown away with the skating, man. Super refined style, super technical, and big tricks. Fast skater, good amplitude. Like, look out for this guy. His uh, he did a. Was he the guy doing like the sweat stance seven twenty out at yeah. Bitter Cold Showdown? Sounds so, like something yeah. he would do. Yeah. yeah. So sick, cause that trick. There's, there's a couple of his edits online, Joey. They're really sick. He's got a, a, a like a David Sizemore type of vibe, like really good on the skates, really controlled and fast and powerful. He's really sick. I think. Um, I remember him doing a really nice true Macchio, if I'm not mistaken. He has nice true Macchios. Yes, I wouldn't three, doubt three it. 360 out. Oh. So who else was on this tour? Besides, it was Kevin Lapierre, Leon, Kenny, Dallas was on it, uh, Danny was on it, Eric was on it. Was that the full roster? Jesus Christ, when can we see this video? <laughs> one more, one more, Sean Unwin. Oh, 
Well, Sean oh, was on no, it? Oh, you yes. didn't. But this is right after Pop, so he sprained his ankle um, doing my gap just for the oh, hell in, Seba, <laughs> in Sebas. <laughs> and you know what? This is It's like eight months later, and I think he's just getting over the sprained ankle now. It was a bad one. <laughs> he's, so he, he was hobbling around for the two weeks of tour. He definitely was not rollerblading. But even when Sean's not rollerblading, he's still winning at life. He was a delight to have around. Definitely. Definitely. I When uh, I got to watch him skate the Sebas in Salmon Arm, I was very impressed. He does the, uh, he does like reverse Kong, where his legs go out in front of him, rather yeah, than called, behind. It's called, a, it's called a dash. In dash? Yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. He was the first person. What, so it's like a zero spin? No, no. no doing a Kong? It's like when you Kong, your hands plant, and then your feet pass through your hands. Yeah. Well, um, for a dash, you jump and jump over with your feet first, and then put your hands down as as, as your shoulders pass over the obstacle. So you put your hands down after your body goes after through? After you're already over it, yeah. And then land forwards. Interesting. And land forwards, yeah. I find it ridiculous that these things haven't been more integrated into skating. <laughs> I know, it is ridiculous. But it's going to happen really soon, man. Matt Ledoux getting a pro skate is a good start. Uh, yep. More people just doing these kind of tricks. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. For anyone listening to this, you've probably never heard of me because I don't have any edits online. I don't... I haven't ever placed in a big competition. I hardly enjoy them at all. Um... I pretty much just skate because it's still fun for me, and I learn new things about myself, exploring myself through this outlet. Absolutely, it's whether you're a religious person or not. It's and whether you were to think skating is a religion or not, it's some form of practice that becomes important. Yeah. Over time, especially the older you get, you realize how important it is to go skating. Yep. And I think a lot of these people who have gone without it are realizing that it's very important, um, even if no one's there and even if they're not getting paid or if exactly. nobody gives a shit. It's very important to your total enjoyment of life is like going out and, and putting on these blades. and um, It's like a church. It's like it is a spiritual practice for sure. It, uh, it's, it makes you feel better. It makes you enjoy your whole life more. Yeah, and it's really important we have people who are doing it who aren't getting paid to do it and who are just doing it for the pure enjoyment of it because that's what you know makes it a sport and that's what a culture thrives off of, not the money in the industry or the sponsorship. It's about the passion of the riders. And, yeah. uh, and you know, it. I got more respect for the guys doing new things that aren't getting paid than I do for the pros because for the pros that's their job they yeah they they get paid to do that and this other guy's working a job he probably hates and just enjoying what he's doing so much on his blades that makes it all worth it for him so hats off totally. to that guy yep absolutely and and that's a perfect segue into uh Leon talking about Winter Clash and and Bitter Cold Showdown because how is this related? <laughs> how is that related? Because I watched that Winter Clash documentary and to see 
Mm-hmm. The well, energy, yeah. the energy behind rollerblading in, in Europe, and I mean, Bitter Cold Showdown was was awesome. I watched the stream and everything, but the amount of people at Winter Clash and the energy was insane, insane. Um, so it's just related. Lots of people aren't getting paid to be at Winter Clash. People are paying money to go to Winter Clash. There's no corporate involvement. At, at least as far as I know. Uh, even le- that was one really noticeable thing, that no one came from the States, really, um, to like Winter Clash. Yes. And, and no, one from Europe came, no one from Europe came to Bitter Cold. So it was weird for me being at both those events and kind of realizing that I know more than everyone else because I was just in the other part. Like, they didn't, Americans didn't even know about brands that exist you know, in Europe, that, yeah, just like the industry is so disconnected. And same with Europe, like they just didn't really know what's going on in the States. What's up with that? But uh, Roman came... Roman was the only one, really. Roman. C- CJ kind of... CJ's like counts as his own entity, kind of. Yeah, it's like Australia. Yeah, CJ's kind of separated. Yeah. But Roman came and I guess... Uh, uh, well, Dre Powell and Corey Wikiki, he came, they came to Winter Clash. So I guess, uh, yeah, they came and CJ came. And uh, so, yeah, I guess good job on Razors for sending their skaters at least, but all the other companies didn't. Yeah, yeah totally not as, not as many as, as, as um, other years, like before, uh, at Winter Clash, you'd see the whole Volo team, the whole Shadow team. Like everyone would go to Winter Clash from the states. So yeah, barely anyone. At the same time, it is really expensive, and I don't know. Maybe it's just not the right. Like there isn't that much money, so in in skating, and those companies can't afford this kind of stuff. So maybe it doesn't really make sense to send riders all around the world. The the reason that it related to what Kenny said is because the energy behind rollerblading right now is still yeah. very, very, very amazing. And I think yeah. it might be a good thing that these people aren't getting paid to go to these competitions because good stuff will happen regardless. Exactly. So, yeah, that that is really true. I do feel that, um, in a way, having having less pros makes the comp feel kind of more local and everyone knows each other better because everyone is from somewhat the same area. Uh, Like in Europe, you know, all the good skaters know all the good skaters because it's so easy to travel around Europe. And same thing in the States. So maybe in some way it feels like a more, um, I guess, like relaxing environment for skaters when it's, when you know everyone, like a smaller group. So the, the vibe was really good at both the events. Maybe and, and, one of the reasons it was so good is because it was a smaller group. I don't know. Um, and nobody knew that it was going to be the last uh, bitter cold showdown. No, I had no idea. So did anything pop up in your head? Like, would there be any event that could replace that that currently exists? Or... I mean, yeah, it's funny because everyone, as soon as this happened, 
Uh, well, it all happened like when I was on like the flight back here, and I just didn't care about anything really. And when I saw it on Roller News, uh, I wasn't like sad because that means something new is gonna happen. Yeah. No point being all sad about it, but I don't know what what's gonna replace it. But it's cool that events are, you know, like dying or whatever. I don't think it's a necessarily a bad thing. That means something new will happen that will work better for. I don't know for the times that we live in. <laughs> yeah. That sense like there isn't as much money to send riders. Maybe contests are not working. The best skaters are maybe in a lot of cases are not winning those contests for whatever reason. Like some of those contests, like Winter Clash is so hard to skate in. Yeah. If you're actually a skater, I wasn't skating, uh, but I kind of felt bad for the skaters. Like it's a cool event and everything and everyone is drinking and getting fucked up, but <laughs> like it's a great event for the spectators, but I felt like the competitors are... I don't know, like it's kind of they're risking their life and it's people are just, I don't know, it's kind of like felt like a dogfight or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, the stuff that does get landed in that atmosphere when I was watching that documentary, um, notably the CJ's Disaster Kind Grind that Anthony, the new Seba rider, the 360 topsail, and the Nils when he did the, is that how you say it? Is it Nils? Nils, yeah. Nils. The 540 Alup topsail, the amount of people around there, like, chanting and ah, watching him miss it, and the fact that he got that trick, that you just have to be, like, top-level athlete. Yeah, Sec second try. And, like, he was going to the run-up, and some some guy, really <laughs> annoying drunk guy, everyone is drunk, like, imagine, like, a contest <laughs> in Holland, where weed is legal, everyone is smoking in the park, and drinking, <laughs> All day they sell beer in the park <laughs> for cheap for like two euros. Well, yeah, it's not like the cheapest, but you know what I mean for like a big glass large beer. It's two euros or two fifty. Anyway, yeah, you can get drunk all day. Everyone like brought alcohol inside. Everyone is smoking weed and yeah. <laughs> and they're like the crowd is so annoying. Like yeah, I would. Yeah, it feels like. Uh, kind of, I don't know, I wasn't like, I don't think it's right for, for the skaters. It's really cool. It's like really underground, but it feels like, you know, like gladiator times when you send like a guy to fight like some fucking like, I don't know, like he could literally die. I remember the, uh, the atmosphere of uh, IMYTA. Remember Todd in Amsterdam, IMYTA, the Europe like the vibe would be if if drinking laws were a bit looser in Canada it it was it reminded me of Canada but the energy of some of the skaters there the yelling and the arms up we have it in Canada but the number of people at IMYTA it was different it was definitely different would you agree with that Todd do you remember it was like it was yes it was it, like it's like a huge party and there's so many people it would be like if if there was 3000 people at pop contest <laughs> and if i was on the mic you know what i've been i've been to a big contest in europe too and 
It's almost like what I uh, would compare soccer hooliganism to. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Overly drunk, obnoxious spectators who are just making things harder for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Like That's a good call. Shop, pushing shopping carts into the middle of the course, going down the ramps in a shopping cart, getting in <laughs> the skaters' way during their run, smashing beer bottles on the course, like, you know, shit that shouldn't be happening. But they're having so much but, yeah, fun. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're and having then, a And lot then you realize you're on vacation too, so maybe you should have a beer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's sometimes the best uh, the best way to to do it is just to have a beer. Forget it. But yeah. if you're the organizer, oh, I could never be yeah. like the organizer. I'd be stressing out. Jesus. But yeah. So then, okay. Okay. So how does that atmosphere compare to the the Bitter Gold Showdown atmosphere? Uh, actually, Bitter Gold was really cool. They were both really really fun in different ways. Um. It wasn't as crazy. The crowd was more content, you know, like you couldn't, it was a lot more organized in a sense, but I guess that was because there was less people, but there are still a lot of people. It was a lot of fun, but definitely not as many people. Um, but I had a really interesting experience in, uh, in uh, Bitter Cold because we came there about three days before the contest. And we stayed with the local guys downtown. So we kind of, we weren't all about just skating the park and the contest. So for me, it was more of an event, like a three, like a four or five day uh, weekend that I met so many cool people from the States. And uh, yes, it felt pretty similar to Winter Clash. Because same thing in Winter Clash, I got there maybe two days before. And... I guess how Winter Clash is a lot different than everyone is there. Like all the hotels are full, there's skaters everywhere, like you're walking around the city and you see kids with jog t-shirts and you know, whatever, skate brands, so it's really cool. Um, and uh, maybe why like Bitter Cold to some people might not be the same experience is because it's not as much of an event, like people just go there for the day, like all the pros and stuff came for pretty much a day or two days, just for the contest, um, and then they fly back right after, but for me, I was there, you know, for me, it was like a whole experience, so I, I had a lot of fun. I, I almost had more fun around the contest than the actual contest itself, because the contest was a little kind of hectic. We, we we had a booth, like Shop Task has a had a booth at the trade show, um, and then so I woke up super early, and then the whole day I was filming, and uh, yeah, so it was just a really tiring long day, like the contest type days, where before, like all the days before that, we were just chilling and skating and having fun. Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but they were both really really cool like there was a good vibe in both contests um, um it, it, one, one. <laughs> <laughs> sorry the <laughs> joey times two <laughs> the reverb okay that's better um do you feel like there's more of a positive vibe around 
rollerblading than ever before, regardless of what money's being put into it? Yeah. Yeah, it, I think so. I think uh, definitely, for sure. It seems like there's a lot less uh, negativity. I mean, you can find it however you want online, but I'm more excited about rollerblading than I've ever been. Um, I still get I still get angry at like my aggressive skating upbringing and some of the close-mindedness, like the religion aspect of of rollerblading that can happen. Um, but I am the most excited I've ever been, and and you can hear about people talking about it being dead or whatever, but I think it's far far from it. And I think it has to do with the ages of people involved right now. It's like maybe- yeah, maybe it's the age. It's definitely a lot more positive. Could be because of the ages. That's one thing. Uh, but it also could be because it's smaller. <laughs> you know, like as soon as the event is smaller, it would be more positive. People would have to mingle a bit more. And it's you know maybe when the event is huge, it's like you're never gonna get a chance to talk to the pros. But now it feels like the pros are just you know, part of the whole group, you know? Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I've only attended um, one barn burner in my lifetime, and I felt like the separation between the the pros and just the, the people hanging out, there it was a very tense atmosphere, and um, did it feel like that? Like, did it feel like no. there was a separation between... Not how... anymore. No? Yeah. Was... Yeah. Yeah, I would talk to like everyone. I don't know. I guess we're older, so I'm I'm not gonna like feel weird talking to like another skater. <laughs> you know, it's like, or maybe when I was younger, or maybe when you were younger at a different event, like you, you made it. I don't know. Maybe there was more separation because it was bigger. You know, so too many people come up to them and like, yo, man, you're amazing, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but nowadays there's just not, yeah, it's pretty small. So everyone is friends with everyone. Like no one is trying to be like above everyone. That's a good thing. Yeah. I remember that kind of being one of the vibes at Barber, but again, it could have just been my filter of perception at the time. Yeah. Um, the thing that you were saying when, when we first, uh, hooked on for the podcast that you skated your Sebas. Uh, you or your big wheel setup the day after for Winter Clash? Yeah, so... Okay, I've been skating those uh, Seba FRAs, like with the 80mm wheels for the past six months, maybe more. And I didn't feel like the need to have a pair of aggressive skates. Even here in Vancouver in the summer when we go to... Oh, it must have been even more than six months. Like... From like around the time of the stag party, when was it? Shit, was that in June? I don't know. Yeah, anyway, it's been a while. And I don't really have the need to like skate aggressive skates to do grinds. And when I do, I just ask somebody to like try their skates and then I do a couple of grinds. And then I get tired of them and then I go back on my big wheels. But anyway, when I went to Winter Clash, I figured, well, I don't want to... I gonna be in a skate park. I don't know if I should bring my, like my big wheels. Maybe I should have like an aggressive setup. So, 
I still brought my big wheels, but I set up a pair of Valos uh, with Caltic frames and like a flat setup. And that's what I was planning to skate. And I skated it in Winter Clash the first two days. And then after the Winter Clash, because the park was more empty, I just wanted to skate my big wheels. And I put them on and I was just so much more amazing on them. Uh, for my myself, like I was a lot happier. Yeah, yeah, so I skated on those and I had a lot of fun. And then I figured I should just stick with it because I'm, I guess with the aggressive skates, I was skating fine, but kind of I felt like I'm doing tricks just to show people that I can do tricks. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. You're kind of like there's a <laughs> lot of people around you, so you, I don't know, you're kind of like, anyway, you're kind of <laughs> some way forced to skate in a certain way that people expect you to skate, that everyone around you skates. And then when I, the day after, I just put on the big wheels and I did whatever I wanted in the park. And uh, yeah, it was a lot more fun. And I felt like I skated better, maybe like in my, in my own like terms, you know? Yeah. I felt like if I was to film certain tricks, I could have got like cool clips where with whatever I did on my aggressive skates, I didn't feel like there was anything I wanted to film. So what uh, what kinds of things were you doing in the big wheel setup? If you can talk about it at all. Was it just the, okay. the way that it felt or? Uh, actually like some, one trick I was doing that, there, yeah, there's no, yeah, it's mostly stuff you just can't do on other skates. There was, uh, the, actually this guy filmed it. I don't know if he's ever gonna use it. I was staying after the contest. I stayed with this guy Igor from Sweden. Super cool guy. He's uh, he actually builds skate parks. It's kind of like an older guy, like over thirty. But yeah, super nice. So we kind of session together, like an old man session. And I was skating in the park, and he was skating, and I filmed. Like he had the camera, so I filmed a few tricks of him, and he filmed a few tricks of me. So maybe it's going to be somewhere. Ooh. Um, but I don't know if you saw there was this like little uh, local skate plaza type thing. Uh, that like the, Richie won the creative trick contest there. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, there was a little... Um, it's for all those like local like red pieces kind of like obstacles that they put in the park like have every company like grindhouse put those big boxes shadow put this like weird yellow box that cj disastered onto oh yeah which was funny i was like why would you put a box right here that's like <laughs> the stupidest obstacle and uh but it was funny that cj actually figured out the way to use it like he could use it but it was like one of those oh my god like that's like a waste of money and like just to I don't know anyway uh, so Loco the skate shop from England they made like a little like a few obstacles in this area that were all like weird and small and you had to be creative to skate them uh, so Richie won this contest um, but anyways, where can we find this edit? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think that there was one edit Richie did like he just jumped like kind of there was like a wall like a ledge and on the outside of the ledge there was like a rail 
beside the wall, so he like kind of dropped to that side and did like far side sole, and then jumped back onto the down ledge to top sole. Oh, I think I remember that trick. So yeah, that was I did a trick there. So I did like jumped over the wall like 180 and rolled on that thing that Richie Farside sold. It's so hard to explain, but it is. But it sounds. I'm excited already. I, I rolled fake, <laughs> and then did like a fakey 360 wall ride instead of like doing the ledge, like fakey 360 to like a wall tap on that wall, like the one that he did the other tops along. Anyway, it's really complicated, but um, <laughs> you would not be able to roll on that thing with a regular wheel. Because it's thin or because it, it's it, stuck better? It's thin and it's on a weird angle like going down, so your sole plate will catch on. Ah. You have to be like tall enough to actually roll on it, which doesn't make any sense on aggressive skate. I was really surprised that I rolled forward on it. And then slowly kind of developed it to like, I think I can even roll fakey on it. Love when that shit happens. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's impossible to explain those tricks. It's not like, it's not as easy as that. You know, cross my legs on the rail. Whoa, <laughs> and, that sounds crazy. Can you do that? Such as a unity? <laughs> or an x grind? <gasps> or... <laughs> um... So, but did you have sole plates, or do you you don't have the sole plates on? Oh yeah, yeah I do have the sole plates. And that little that plate that's on the on the but frame. It, yeah. Do yeah. you do you miss Royales in front sides when you ride those skates? Like, do you wish you kind of had an in between skate? Uh, yeah, I wish. I wish <laughs> I could do both on the one skate. Because the problem. <laughs> This is this is a cold hard truth is that when I have my my uh, power blade frames on and I haven't skated Sebas yet I'm going to be um yeah I shipped them to you today with that footage oh oh and, shit. and, the, and, the, and the shadow video oh you'll probably get it tomorrow really oh, yeah how am I supposed to do work on Friday when what uh, yeah, like, how work. am I supposed to be at work <laughs> if I get my Sebas and the Shadow well, video? Sick, you haven't worked. What? Now you know that you're going to have to call in sick, so maybe tomorrow you can start, start <laughs> pretending like you're kind of sick. <laughs> start I'm really a little bit. flu or something. Maybe I'll Go just... Home a little bit early. I'll just yeah. eat like a raw old steak in front of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. I won't even have to yeah. lie. I just actually make myself really sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, the shadow video is really good. Oh, I can't uh -oh. wait. I can't wait. Flow dreaming. What? <laughs> Flow dreaming? It's a good video title right there. Okay, <laughs> so if anybody's listening, Leon, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm just making tea and I'm re refilling the hookah now. Oh, I have some hookah questions for you um, in the future. I'll, I'll save them for a non-podcast time. I don't poke the holes properly. Um, anyways, I find that when I ride... It's not just about rollerblading. You can talk about hookah things. Okay, so 
when I lit up the, I I got uh, new tobacco and new coals for my hookah, and yeah. um, you're supposed to poke, is it twenty holes about in the tin foil, right? No, no, that's too many holes. Too that's many too holes. many. You're yeah. Doing it wrong. I usually use something really small, like a, um, how do you call Safe, them? Safety pin. Like a safety pin. Yeah. And just like make the holes pretty small because if they're too big and there's too many of them, you burn the tobacco. That's so you don't want to actually burn it. You just want to keep it like warming it up so that because as soon as it burns, uh, like that's why you don't put the coal straight on the tobacco because then the tobacco would like burn and be all like stinky, you know? You want it to kind of still be just constantly warming up. You and, want like, it to vaporize, not combust. Ah, so how many holes then? I usually do like, uh, I. Put them like pretty far apart. Yeah. That's how many I did on this. Can you let me know if that's what you would do? Kind of like yeah. ten holes at the most. Ten holes around the the size of an area of a toonie. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to like make holes like past like too far out. You just want to focus like the area where the coal is gonna cover it. You know, so, so you don't want to have like really too many holes on the outside because then, I don't know. Okay, and then so if if you're burning the tobacco and you're you there's too many holes and shit, and you're inhaling like some of the coal, that's got to be bad for you. Well, it'll just start to get really dry and harsh on your throat. It's not a very pleasurable smoking experience. Yeah, because when I got the new stuff, I must have made too many holes because it I didn't burn all of the tobacco and um, it didn't feel as smooth. Like, yeah, you should be able to do really smooth pulls that don't feel yeah. harsh like a cigarette. You should be able to take a full lung capacity without oh one more thing without choking. You know when you fill up like put the tobacco, don't put too much. How much? Like um, make sure it? that there is a little bit like space left between like when you cover it with the foil. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the tobacco doesn't touch it directly. There's a little bit of room. So like a just pinches, and you gotta space it out, right? You fluff it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you fluff it up. But that doesn't matter. The fluff it up is just so you save it. Like, you don't waste too much. Okay. I know. Because this shit is expensive, dog. It is. I couldn't believe it when I bought two packs that it was like 55 bucks. I don't know if that's more than what. Oh, wow. That's, that's uh, well, it's real tobacco. You can also use herbal tobacco. I got the I... real shit. I want my nicotine buzz just lightly. Mm-hmm. You know what I usually do? Because... Uh, the uh, herbal ones are really cheap. They're only like five bucks for yeah. a pack. And the tobacco ones are like 20 bucks. So what I usually do is uh, I have one of the real one and I usually mix them together. So I would put like the, the herbal one on the bottom and then a little bit of the good stuff on top. Ooh. And this way, it's like pretty cheap and lasts you forever, and you still get good flavor, and you don't get too much tobacco. Like, oh. it's healthy and economic, economical. Definitely, definitely, that's up there. Two two packs of tobacco for fifty five dollars. Yeah, that's, that's up there. That is up there. Do you have flavor recommendations before I move to my next topic? Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you buy. Uh, it's funny because me and Kenny wanted to smoke some hookah and I was like, dude, I can't, this tobacco, is, I don't like it. Flavor <laughs> is important. I, if you buy the herbal stuff, when you buy regular tobacco, they're all pretty good. It just depends what you like. But 
the herbal stuff I found mint is pretty good yeah um, and watermelon Ooh, watermelon I got I got strawberry and mint for the tobacco I haven't tried watermelon yet no if you, if you do like regular like the apples are really popular and I really like mint usually right now I bought today I bought mint and lemon so I'm kind of mixing those two together. Oh, I've heard lemon's good. And then what kind of uh, tea goes good with hookah, if you have any recommendations? Um, uh, well, right now I have this, uh, it's like a chocolate tea. How do you call it? Um, rooibos? Yeah, yeah, rooibos. It's called Chocolate Storm from some store. But it's a good, really tasty. Oh, shit. What tea and hookah are so damn good? Yeah, together. Um, it is. They're a great social thing, and they're fairly healthy. Like if you wanted to have a good day of skating the next day and not have any drinks, it still gives you a nice little social buzz, and um, you don't feel too gross in the morning unless you do the hookah wrong, like I did. Yeah. So ten, ten holes, safety pin, no larger than a toonie. And they can be spaced out however you want, pretty much, right? You want them spaced out, like, you do want some space between them. You don't want them too tight, because then you don't want too much heat in one area. And then, uh, this is this is a dumb thing. The coal, is it the rounded part to, towards the foil, or the other side? Other side, the other flat side, side down. The flat side, because it covers the heat, it contains the heat better. There we go, there we go. I have all of my questions answered. And if it doesn't go well, that will be an excuse for work to say, I smoked my hooker wrong, I feel bad today. <laughs> now, my next question, is it possible, this is non-hooker related, there's such a separation when I try big wheel setups to um, my REMS with like a beefier lower frame that I miss like cess slides and being lower to the ground, but there's so many possibilities when you try big wheels for, for turning and control and speed. Is there a possibility, and I've probably asked this before, of some kind of like a hybrid setup eventually between the two things? Um, and what well, the hell would I, that be called? I think that's what's happening. Because um, slowly the big frames, you know, like rollerblading, someone said it, very interesting. Maybe Aldo Lega. They always go to the extremes. Definitely. And, you know, we're like, from 80, like, you know, when skating started, it was 80 millimeters. So people went to like 110s now for speed. Like, you know what I mean? To really big wheels. And then aggressive skaters went down to like 56, 60. Like, why, why so small? Like, why no one, like, for years hasn't been really using, like, the 70 range, you know what I mean? Around 70 or 68 or 65. Kind of like, where is this? Where did this go? Why go so small? And then, you know, the power blading frames came out. So now, slow, now Kaiser made the level 2 frame, which is 76 millimeter. So it's like the same big wheels, but with a little bit of grinding space. And now baked frames made... made uh, um, 72. Oh, is that what those are? They're 72. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I picked those up in uh, Winter Clash from that company, and I was selling them in uh, 
bitter cold. So Shop Task is the first ones in North America to bring it. That's oh. <laughs> I think I think there's a very there's a very important measurement that nobody ever talks about that I think people need to become aware of and that is the distance between the foot and the wheel. Oh, it's very known. Me and uh, Aldo Lego were talking about it for well, Al is really smart actually. It was cool meeting him. But everyone knows about it and companies I guess slowly are going there. Adopt skates for example. This um, the sole plate. Uh, the sole plate is cut out, like so that you can fit bigger wheels in there. Again, I don't know because I didn't see, but that's what AJ told me. Um, that like, oh, I tried Peter skates and he has a seventy-two anti rocker, and AJ was like, he's like, I didn't think I'm gonna like it, but it was fine. Like it was felt the same. Um, but yeah, the adapt skates, the sole plate. Uh, is cut out so you can actually fit bigger wheels in there, which mm. is super cool, super super cool. I like it because I think I think the mo the more important factor is how far is the wheel from your foot, like because it's it's basically there's a balance between rolling fast, which at the advantage you get from a bigger wheel, and you want the wheel the bottom of the wheel to be as close to the bottom of your foot as you can for optimal yeah. control. Exactly. So I think that's like a huge factor in skates and something that a lot of like you I never hear about a skate coming out and the manufacturer being like this skate has the it, it puts the wheel as clo closer to your foot than any other skate. Yeah, yeah. Like, you never the hear razors, that measurement, right? The but razors, that is so important. Razors SL skate was that's the idea. They kind of got rid of like that base. It's like a baseless skate. SL so, skate? The ground, yeah. Yeah. This is a razors? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I originally oh. got them. I I didn't like the feel of them, but you can't deny that a, a lot of really progressive skating has happened in those skates. Brian Aragon specifically, it could just be that he's Brian Aragon, but he's pushed skating pretty hard in those skates. SL. Yeah, they cut out. What was it, Leon? They cut out the. There's no base in it, so it's just like the sole plate is is the base of it. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Um. But. That's what I'm saying. Adopt cut out those like the sole plate. The adopt sole plate is deeper, so you can actually have wheels that fit in there and sit higher. There's oh, a groove. It's a wheel hub inside yeah. of the. Just for the front and the back. One. Yeah. Interesting. But a lot so, of people are talking about it, and I'm sure slowly, slowly this gap between like from the extreme of the '60 to the you know the '80s. It's coming closer. Like slowly, there's going to be companies that will make like I'm sure Kaiser would probably end up making a 72 millimeter frame like baked, and then you know like probably someone will make like a 68 and a 65 or whatever, and then like you should be able to ride whatever wheel size you want. Definitely, I think the it'd be amazing to ride 60s, but they feel as low to the ground as 50s. Or ride wow. 72s, but they feel like 62s because they're so yeah. close to your foot. That would yeah. really push skating. Because totally. I, I do really think that um, certain set slide and, and grind possibilities, I do miss when I when I skate like a, a big wheel setup. Yeah. That I, yeah. I, I need that kind of like for my style of skating, that I wish there was something in between. Um, but you know, there, it's always going to be like 
one will be better for for one thing and another one will be better for something else. It is true that I, I you do... just can't get what you can get from like an aggressive skate. Like there's the same with every skate has different tricks. Yeah. Like some on some think... skates you can do torques way better than you can do yeah. backslides and you know because it's like a hard backslide versus a soft one. Yeah. So every skate like makes makes it fun for certain tricks. And same thing with wheel sizes, you know, it's, I don't know, I think skaters should embrace all the options and it's kind of like learning new skills and different wheels and like a true wizard can actually skate different setups. You, you know, if you're good on 60s, like good for you, but there's so much more out there. Holy, yeah. only a wizard would say that a true wizard can skate different setups. Only and I, a wizard. <laughs> I can't skate all the setups, you know, there's like, I still haven't skated like speed skates and whatnot. Yeah, you have. Well, well, yeah, but not this, oh. not really, like I was talking to, like Rob G actually has a pair of speed skates and he's killing it. Like, true he's wizard. A, he's a true wizard. He definitely, he's a higher level wizard. Yeah. Okay, so, so Leon, we're, we're, uh, we're hitting the two hour mark, so we should wrap this up. But before we do, I have a question to ask you. Okay. Because you own a shop and you're familiar with my skating and my stees. And I'm at a point where I'm trying to decide on, on what kind of skates I should get next. And there's a lot of good options out there. There's the, the new Adapt skates. There's the new Seba aggressive skates. There's the Shadow 2.0s. There's even the, the, the new REMS, um, the, the Balance skates look pretty good so if you had to recommend to me what skates you would like to see me in what would those skates be um okay <laughs> that's a tough question because um uh, but i'll be honest let me think well the the sebas won't be out for like a bit but I think this skate would you would really like because it because you skated the K twos and really liked them and I know in terms of comfort you would be all about it. Um, cause Did you, you try on those skates? Yeah, I didn't skate them, but everyone that tried them on was really really impressed. Anyway, but uh, so I know like you personally would go for comfort over anything. Yeah, that's why I'm saying that's probably would be what you would want to try but that's going to be like a while from now um i think uh you know what like when i was on the tour i came to a conclusion that adopt is probably the best skate on the market at the moment Ooh. wow <laughs> <laughs> And again, it's all a preference thing because like a lot of people are saying like they're a little stiff. Like a lot of people don't like carbons, but if you are looking for a carbon skate, it's pretty tough for like a Chinese manufacturer, a manufacturer to compete with a skater that's making his own skate. Like if you know the the like what you need to do, there's no way like someone in just a factory and like a mass production line would end up making as good of a skate for for a skater as a skater himself. So, and it's true, like, the thing is with Adopt, they actually make 
they don't create a bunch of skates. They literally make every skate. So it gives them the opportunity to constantly make every skate a little bit better. Like literally, like instead of like not once a year, oh, now we're going to put a different buckle or now we're going to put this. Being able to like from order to order, you know? <laughs> so how does that, skate. do they, do, do they take like a, a print of your foot or do they just take your, your size or how does it work? Do you know? Uh, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sometimes just too busy to like ask all the questions and whatnot. I just tried the skates and they're amazing. And then I just decided that I want to sell them and they had, they're just now starting to actually sell them in stores. Um, I think you cut off your foot and then they mold <laughs> and then you foot. sew it back on and when then you get, yeah, you get your back. foot back when you get the skate hardcore man well that's i'm definitely getting the, those skates then i'm cutting off yeah. my foot me too yeah, I, think, I think they're they're extremely light um they're comfortable maybe like you got to heat mold them to make them comfortable i skated kevin chow skates when i was in winter clash and that was the second time i skated them and my skates, like I was skating the follows, and they're new and tight, and they're grinding really good. But when I put on the adapts, I was just I forgot that I have skates on. Oh, 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 oh. But oh. It, that might have been because my other skates were so small and just killing my feet, and I had to take them off every few minutes. But, I, uh, I, I, I think that's the ultimate statement is to say that you forget that you have skates on. Yeah, right there. That. It might That's be the ultimate sales pitch. It might be, yeah. Uh, I, I think they're worth the try. But again, the only reason I'm saying they're, they're probably the best is because they're going to keep improving them. Oh. <laughs> we have a visitor, another special guest to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh, sure. I'll burn a car. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, the 12 hours is up at 5.45. Oh, he's, he's going to leave at like 6 in the morning or 7. Oh, I see. 5.45 p.m. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, guys. This is about my parked vehicle. <laughs> okay, thanks for 9 o'clock. Okay, thank you. Because 5.45, the, the day staff have gone by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really know what time to do. So give yourself some leeway if you want to care about it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Okay. Thank you, sir. Sorry for the interruption. It's uh, the security guard in the building, but he's cool. He must, have, he must have had a weird perception, like looking into your apartment and seeing like up like piles and piles of boxes. No, no, he knows. He knows. Even though it's oh, a he, knows. Building, he always sees me with boxes, so he knows all about my business. <laughs> That was a really polite knock, you know, like instead of a bang, 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 he did the, the polite like, dit, 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 dit. Because no, he doesn't know me. Oh, that's cool. Like he always talks to me. But anyway, yeah, well, the adopt skates, uh, I'm super impressed just because, uh, you know, skaters trying to do their own skates and the skate feels good. Like, to be honest, there's nothing really good on the market. Um, so nothing is like a hundred times better. It's all... It's all pretty good. It just depends, like, what you like. And 
A lot of it is also what image you want to align yourself with. Because <laughs> some skates that you wear, like it really puts you in a certain group. And uh, <laughs> I, that's one thing that I really noticed on this trip. Uh, that skating is divided into like two big groups. Uh, like it's finally extremely, extremely defined. I don't want to go like, but but the skates that like what that one group would skate is all the same, always the same type of skates. They would support the same companies. It's a very like similar tribes. Yeah, it's like okay. So what what skates would tribe A skate, and what skates would tribe B skate? So. Tribe A, like the the big brands that define this, I'm not going to say all the brands, but you can kind (laughs) of understand, but the big brands of Group A is Razors and USD. And USD was kind of like in between, but now it's very clearly going towards that Group A. And the skater, it's the same type of skaters uh, that would skate USDs or Razors. And then there is Group B, which is Valo, and shadow, and the, and that's kind of people like Group A, you know, they can mingle and relate to each other, and do similar tricks. And Group B is, you know, they can relate to each other on a completely different level. Uh, yeah, it's it's extremely extremely defined. And like wherever you go in the world, if you're from Group B you're going to make friends with Group B and they would know about your skating and kind of, they don't care what's happening in Group A. Like, yeah, yeah, they're good skaters, but it doesn't matter. And then Group A would be the same. Like, they have no idea about industry things or things that happen in, in the other group. Uh, it's uh, It's really, really interesting. And it's, yeah, if you are from Group B, like, you would, right away like you can connect with those people anyway you guys are in group b we're in group b yeah yeah like some yeah some, totally oh yeah i guess we're in group b like sometimes you might yeah there's certain skaters in group a that might once in a while try a different skate but right now it's so like it's almost like 95 percent of group a would be on those skates and 95 percent of the other group would be on the other skates and it's just because um yeah i guess it's all like branding and like what image you want to associate yourself with and because uh, everyone always has a different view on skating and how skating should be shown to like the public and what's cool and what's not and what's gay and what's not um and yeah now it just like divided into two simple like visions vision a and vision b so some people wanted to look a certain way, so they they follow the same edits, they're thinking the same thoughts, uh, they're kind of growing like, even though they're from different places in the world, they're still very, very similar, Yeah, if that makes sense. So even though you feel like, oh, I'm doing like my own thing here, but you're still, you're, you're inspired by the sa- exactly the same things that you know, people that live in like Germany or wherever are inspired by. So it makes you too like, you know, so much more similar than anyone else you would like meet like outside of skating. Anyway, it's a, it's really, really cool. And now 
like going on this trip, I feel like I I met so many people from Group B, <laughs> and it's really awesome. Like I really get along with everyone, and we're so similar, and we know the same skaters, and we talk about similar things. Yeah. Well, then you you've kind of answered the very first question at the beginning of the podcast throughout this. And what? How? Just in a long way, you've answered the question about summing up your your experience of this trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is the big like kind of realization because I I feel like people here they know that those two groups exist, but they don't see the whole picture. It's almost like there is a pattern. Like if you look from further out, you can clearly see. Like maybe here it looks like oh this guy is like this and this guy is like that, but I can break it down into two groups because I've seen kind of like a bigger picture and I think this yeah. this picture just developed in like the past year I think a year ago like it wasn't as defined like what is the pattern of skating and now I can see it like you know like first thing I can say like I can recognize what type of a skater they are and what they would be into and if I can connect with them or relate to them or obviously there's like the exceptions yeah but still, like, the 90% is so, like, perfect. Like, I met, I don't know, it's it's crazy. Well. It's interesting. That's a good end note. And could there be group C's and D's and E's as we go on? I, like, I don't know. I think it's, I don't see it. No. Because um, at least at the moment, I, I can't really. There is, like, sub kind of groups within those groups I'm sure but it's kind of cool how it's really only two groups I don't know maybe I think like like the the two groups are subgroups of a group which is aggressive inline skating yeah, exactly. but there are also other groups cone skating and speed skating and those uh, those other groups do exist I think uh, yeah the two groups are just subgroups yeah exactly so yeah. Well, fuck. I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I would love to talk more, but me and Kenny are just going to keep it going here. Shit. Sweet beans. Well, you guys have lives and families yeah, and responsibilities. I don't, I don't got any diapers to change or yeah. <laughs> movie yeah. to edit. Shit. Where's my baby? <laughs> <laughs> I just have a fur child right now. So I have to tend to that, the, the fur child downstairs. Um, but Kenny and Leon and Todd, this was fantastic as always. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, guys. nice chatting with you guys. You bet. Thanks and, a lot, Kenny. Oh. Thanks a lot, Leon. My pleasure. Great. And uh, we will blade soon, together forever, in eternity. See you guys soon. at Pop Contest 2013. Definitely. Watch out for RPT, BMC edit. Drop it soon. Oh, shit. Peace out. Peace, guys. Peace. Peace.